0: Science AF. science
1: AF. Ready to go? Science you know, AF. Yeah. That was an example Science of AF. A yeah. yeah. Science <laughs> AF. think I'm recording. Science AF. It looks... Science AF. Right. <laughs> science AF. Science as fuck. Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dave Chacho, and I'm science as fuck. I'm your host, Jesse Klein, and I am science as fuck. We're back. We've been, uh... We've been off for a little while. Our last show was live at the Pack Theater. Yeah, with uh, Stephanie. With Stephanie oh, Streisand. Cool. It was fun. Uh, too short. We're going to have her back in one of these days and do a longer uh, talk with her because Forensic she's psychology. Awesome. But today, here we go. we're here with a very special guest to talk about the science of music and sound and audio and uh, all those things. Elizabeth Hayhurst, welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> uh you're a writer a comedy writer and performer yeah um with the team haymaker mm-hmm. in los angeles at the pack theater mm-hmm. uh what else do you got going on you, you work on like eight million shows <laughs>
0: yeah I, right? I do a lot of shows uh kind of at the end of the month uh we have the line uh that's uh november 30th i believe uh friday night um and that's a uh, show where we kind of explore the boundaries of politically correctness or incorrectness in comedy. Yeah, uh, that's a
1: fun one. Yeah. It can get controversial. Yeah. Uh, people try to put up a comedy that just Yeah. might might step over the we, line. We don't a want bit. them to
0: just say like fuck it and go over the line. We want them to be able to defend the material like Yeah. This will make people mad, but I'll stand by it. It's worth
1: it to make people mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then a, a panel of judges uh, from various backgrounds yeah. uh, decide whether they thought it was over the line for them. Yeah. That's a fun show.
0: Um, Let's see. And then Haymaker, we're off this month uh, filming some stuff, but next month we're back at the Pack Theater, third Wednesday of the month. And then... um. We're doing a special Christmas show, uh, the Collabor Abortion version of The Christmas Carol, <laughs> uh, the third Saturday of the month. So Describe I'm kind of
1: what Collabor Abortion is. So, Collabor
0: Abortion was a show I did with uh, Neve Brook. I guess, I guess we started about two, three years ago. Um, we ran for about a year. Um, but it's uh, a show where we start with the actual page of a famous play. Uh-huh. And then we give the second page to a comedy writer who writes <laughs> what they think it should be, and then the next page to another comedy writer, and so on until we have, like, you know, a 50 minute or hour long play. And then we make people perform it. <laughs> uh
1: huh. So it's an exquis- ex- exquisite corpse that comes yeah, yeah, from yeah, 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 yeah. an actual piece of literature. Right. Starts with an
2: actual yeah. piece of literature. it's a really fun show. Yeah. Uh, I think I've done it three times. Yeah.
0: It's,
1: it's always nuts. <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've definitely seen it many times and it goes everywhere you hope it will go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're here to talk about music today because you have a background yeah you have a what what kind of degree a master's or a, oh a, no no no, no a, i uh,
0: i uh i minored in music while I was there at uh u c berkeley but i um my family's professional musicians, so I started doing that when I was very little, uh, for a long time, uh, did competitions and stuff, and uh, toured uh, with choirs the whole time I was growing up. Uh, so you're,
1: you've been a semi-professional, like, operatic singer, yeah, kind of?
0: Ah, uh, sort of. I mean, I've recorded on soundtracks and stuff. Um, I've been on tour with choirs, um, both as a kid and as an adult, and um, yeah, premiered some music and that kind of thing.
1: Have you ever sung in bands? Bands or more like like more more classical style.
0: Uh, I've I've sat with a couple of bands before. Nothing long term. I haven't done the the whole like college kind of into adulthood <laughs> playing at bars kind of thing regularly. You didn't throw
1: your life away. <laughs> not not <laughs> yet. Music. Yeah. Yeah. Cause
0: there's like, always the, time. What I'm doing now is is so <laughs> <laughs> so much more. You know, something you can fall back on.
1: Comedy is the yeah right. The music of. Uh, Shout out to writing. those Smosh employees. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, was so sorry for you guys. Smosh. Yeah. What happened? Are they dead? Yeah, they're dead.
0: Yeah, they. They murder killed suicide. suicide. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: they murder suicide.
0: <laughs> all of them. All Everyone so, at Smosh. It's Everyone picks someone time. else, and it's
2: just in the comedy world. You're just seeing all of these businesses that, for like two or three years, were just employing as many comedians as they could, and oh, like yeah. throwing money around like every which way. And now all of a sudden there's no money and they're all just closing down. And it just
1: it's great. It's great being a comedian right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great being part of the short gold rush. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Watching well, watching the gold rush go by I mean, and it's not being still hard.
0: happening and it's just none of these places will stay open that long because a lot of it's borrowed money, and they don't know what they're doing or yeah. what's profitable. Right. So they'll do it for like three to five years until they can't do it anymore.
1: A lot of people with money were very excited to get into the comedy, the short comedy oh, YouTube yeah. space. Oh, And yeah. had no idea what they were doing. Yep.
0: People still don't know what they're doing. Netflix is apparently losing money every year, right?
1: Yeah. Are they? Yeah. How could they possibly? Every think, single human has three accounts. I think people invest accounts.
0: in it so much because of how many people watch it. Yeah. So it's one of those where they have more people investing than
1: actually watching
0: money that they're earning, or something like Amazon like
1: that? been running on a a loss for
0: yeah. 10 I think it's like years that. years or something. It's all funny money. Yeah, it's all conceptual. Yeah.
1: Send us some of that funny money, <laughs> <laughs> <on> Netflix.
0: <laughs> Over at Science
2: AF,
1: <laughs> send it to Science AF. Tagline: Funnier than Smosh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have some friends at Smosh. We're not funnier than you. Sorry. <laughs>
1: Not that you're listening. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some music. Speaking of uh, classical, I love this little article that, that um, did brainwave patterns on jazz versus classical musicians.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and it, one. It, it finds that, like, improvisational jazz musicians have such different brainwave patterns than classical orchestral or, or, or pianists. Um, that, and, uh, which, which sort of explains why, uh, most people don't go back and forth between,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, well, classical you're,
1: and jazz music. Your, or,
2: your brain works with what it knows best. So once you get those grooves going, it's hard to get out of them.
1: Yeah. There's very much a different thinking involved between, like, you know, syncopation and, uh, what my high school jazz teacher would call mamby-pamby <laughs> classical shit.
2: So this was like a really snotty robot, right? Like, it was like, oh, the brains are very different. <laughs> like, you don't get it, man. These, a, j- a jazz brain is so much different. Than they just don't understand us jazz robots. It's about the brain waves you're not thinking.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um. Well, it's interesting that From the article, from what I understood, they were like almost exclusively following pianists, right? Yeah. And pianists is interesting because Mm. I don't know, everyone I've met who's a jazz pianist is just insanely smart, and not that like other musicians aren't also smart, but it just it takes like any other instrument where you improvise. Um, in jazz, you have to understand so much music theory and chord structure and patterns and be able to catch and repeat um, just on the fly and there's so much information that goes into processing that in a lightning speed and then also being artistic with it. Piano, but most of these instruments are playing one note at a time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or you're a drummer where you're playing no-notes at a time. <laughs> uh, Fuck you, drummer. No, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Like, I mean, rhythm is also very complicated, but in terms <laughs> of like understanding a bunch of music theory and harmonies and dissonance, and uh, uh, pianists have to do everything at the same time. Yeah. So you have to but understand and comprehend an entire sheet of music and then be able to make it up constantly as you go on. Now, mm-hmm. a classical musician will study it for a long time and have to do something insanely compli- complicated. Like, no one's going to improvise Rachmaninoff. Um, and, but then to be able to play it perfectly and, like, have all this music memorized and on recall and then be able to bring it back and then work on it. And then it's all about interpretation. And while they will, most of them will have learned all that stuff in college and stuff and still retain most of it, they're not having to recall it at a moment's notice constantly because yeah. what they're focusing on is performance.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, it, it's difficult. Both of what they're doing is difficult. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, whether you're playing a complex orchestral piece or you're, you know, improvising jazz, but um, what they did, I guess, uh, was they w- would be playing a standard chord progression and then they would throw in like a uh, a surprise uh, chord that wouldn't right. come in. The R chord. <laughs> They'd throw in an R every once in a while, and uh, which is hilarious to jazz musicians. <laughs> but, um, that's the, the wrong chord. But, and they found, and they were measuring their brains as they were doing this, they would yeah. throw in an unexpected chord, and the jazz musicians would immediately start, um, it, like in a fraction of a second, start figuring out how to make that work. How to yeah, incorporate it. How to incorporate it into what they were, what they were doing. And it would, it would kind of throw the, um, the classical pianists, <laughs> pianists, Away, it's I'm okay going to I'm gonna giggle every time I <laughs> say pianist say. for the entire hour. I'm going to giggle when yeah, I say pianist. That
2: movie, The Pianist, was a very funny movie, and we all loved it about yeah. World War II.
1: And, but yet, it, if you if you text the pianist late at night to someone, you can get in trouble.
2: Well, yeah, no one just wants to
1: see a picture of nobody, a pianist. <laughs> nobody without, wants to get a text of <laughs> without the consent? movie The Pianist yeah. without consent. <laughs> um so anyway, that's how uh, musicians
0: are—the
1: <laughs> <laughs> smoothest transition. I'm, are you a jazz musician? I'm doing jazz right now, baby.
2: <laughs> uh, that's very interesting. Uh, I, it seems like it was a, a test kind of set up for a improviser to flourish in. Well, I wonder if, if they, they, they
0: switched both
2: okay because
0: they they also like threw up um, it says they saw a hand on a screen playing a sequence of chords that had like tricky fingering and stuff, and the classical musicians did much better at doing that without any mistakes yeah yeah uh, the, um, the, the,
1: um, the the actual technical ability of yeah. uh, the, the classical were were much higher in certain aspects um so yeah they're they're both mm-hmm. they both have such technical ability, mm-hmm. but it's such a different technical ability, even though they're playing the same instrument.
0: And I do know a lot of uh, professional musicians who do both in terms of uh, musicians who are saxophone players and usually double on like clarinet or flute, or musicians who play trumpets or trombones that do jazz ensembles and also record in the studios on classical music. And I think that. Again, is an easier switch because you are focusing more on one line of music.
2: Yeah. You mean? Yeah. So we're, so what we're saying is like classical musicians, like you're fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> and jazz musicians, like good job. You guys are cool. You guys are cool. Yeah, I like fuck your, you,
1: classical musician. I like your jazz grass way get better that, than that classical grass. Get
2: that handle
1: shit out of here. <laughs> yeah. A lot of different types of musicians are going to take our ire today. Yeah.
2: <laughs> You're all getting cut down. <laughs> because I
1: quit piano lessons when I was eight. Yeah, me too, man. I was forced to take them, and I hated them, and now it's I the wish... the biggest regret of my life. I wish I knew I just, more how to play piano. I, I wish I was good at music. Um, yeah. I could play a little guitar. I could play a little piano. And I even... I had a drum set in my house, and I've just never been good at it. My... Many of them.
2: My uncle is a musical anthropology major, and I'll, like, go over to his place, and he's got, like, 17 different types of stringed instruments that he's just, like, playing around with. I'm just, I'm jealous as fuck. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm calling you out, Handel,
1: because I'm jealous as fuck. Yeah. You Dutch? Is he Dutch? Was he Dutch? Handel? It, that sounds Dutch or Danish or... Something Dutch piece of shit. (laughs) Tweet me. Tell me what handle was. (laughs) Next Next, next section.
2: There's a lot of um,
1: yeah. I'm trying to think of a good transition here. Uh, Dementia. Dementia. Dementia, Yeah.
0: That's probably why you
1: couldn't think of a good transition. Yeah. I should listen to more music so I don't get dementia. Yeah. Because there's a lot of studies going on, and I was just reading one from August of this year about how music sort of helps uh, stave off dementia and Alzheimer's and even people that have very deep dementia. I watched part of this. It's a do- documentary called Alive Inside and I, I, w- I was on the verge of tears all afternoon because um, it documents people with dementia and usually it's their uh, their children or their uh, uh, health care workers or something. Find out what music they listened to and they loved when they were younger. And a lot of times it's, either, it's like church music or it's like jazz music from the 20s or whatever it is. Um, and then they, they're, they're distributing iPods um, just specially made with that person's favorite music. And when you see the change, you can see, immediately see the change um, in the face and the... Sort of, uh, they just sort of light up these people that can barely speak or communicate. Yeah, um, because they have dementia or Alzheimer's, and after their, after they listen to the music that they loved as you know in their adulthood or childhood, suddenly they re- they, they briefly regain the ability to speak and communicate. Whoa, it's really crazy. Like uh, there was this guy who who basically couldn't. Answer yes or no questions, and then they played some jazz music that he loved for like ten minutes, and then they asked him about it, and he was talking about Cab Calloway and like his favorite songs and stuff. That's awesome. And like he, the music like fixed his dementia for you know a, a, a brief couple of minutes. So two two thoughts for me.
2: Mm-hmm. First one, this makes me very worried because I have a very like. My music love is all over the place, so I don't think anyone would be able to like narrow down. They'd be like, "All right, we got this weird French like <laughs> jazzy thing, and then then just some Beatles and then the kinks, and then like some South African hip hop like <laughs> they would yeah. be all over the place also, I'm just thinking of taking it if it's like from when you were a kid or like in middle school, doesn't mean people our age." When they need these iPods, it's going to be like P.O.D. and Creed that are going to be played for them, (laughs) so that they can remember how to speak. Uh,
1: He must have loved Nickelback. He really liked Lincoln Park. Early two thousands. Let's just play Nickelback and Lincoln Park on a loop. I prefer Dementia and the hits of (laughs) Corn. And you, you just can't, you can't tell them that you hate it. Yeah. Well, I wonder if this has a connection to.
2: Here sent us a bunch of articles on like synesthesia, yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if this does have a kind of connection to where like your brain starts bridging gaps and bringing things out when it's
1: listening to music like that. They say in this article that uh, that when you listen to and and even more when you play and learn music, um, your your brain grows. Uh, the corpus callosum, the corpus callosum, the thing that connects the two halves of your brain, yeah, grows more robust, mm. and so in musicians, um, uh, the neurons fire more efficiently, and and there's there's uh, you know they have more routes between the two hemispheres of their brain. That makes sense, and um, generally, just smarter, better people.
2: Well. <laughs> Well, because they they are like combining math and art, like they're combining, yeah. they're combining both sides.
1: Yeah, music is is kind of a science and an art, and and uh, we don't really know. Um, synesthesia is really cool. It, we still don't know exactly how the brain processes all of the senses that come in, mm-hmm. and certain people um, has sort of a little bit of cross wiring, but. It's not necessarily a bad thing. If you don't know what synesthesia is, it's sort of like when you hear music and and your brain associates it with a certain color. Like certain cor- chords are certain uh, colors, or um, it happens. The other, it happens with people with um, reading too.
2: Like certain letters can be certain colors. People who are uh, like masters at memorization have synesthesia. Where mm-hmm. like. They can take like three hundred. They can be given three hundred numbers, and they'll just associate it with colors or taste. Yeah, and then they can just recall all the numbers because they recall the taste or the color.
1: You sent us a thing about uh, this guy with synesthesia. Uh, This uh, composer, yeah,
0: a lot of composers have openly, uh, like Mazorsky and Rimsky-Korsakov and Olivier Messiaen, um, talked about having synesthesia, or they don't even refer to, but Talking about key signatures is always a big one. Key signatures being certain colors. In general, people f- talk about C major kind of being a clear, neutral C major and A minor, which, you know, on a piano, all white keys, mm-hmm. uh, no sharps or flats. And then the flat. C major is sort of like the
1: default kind flat of Flat signatures
0: uh, like E flat, A flat, M are considered darker. And you'll hear people talk about that that way. And then sharp keys like G, D, E, the more sharps, the more bright they are. Oh, okay. So, um, and then a lot of pieces are written that way. Like when people started uh, around the um, impressionistic period, and certainly the nationalistic period, where people started titling uh, symphonies after things, like like the you know this symphony or that like or certainly like for example, Hulse the planets Mars, and where they associated music about things, because for a long time there was an idea that the purest music is it's its own form. It's not about anything. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then it became, and that's why a lot of film music takes from nationalist composers, because that was when this really started a m- movement about music being about something, about swans, about the forest, about night, about the evening, about... And people really started associating certain key signatures and colors with these things. Um, and it's kind of interesting that it's pretty universal and whether, I mean, there's an argument about whether that's basically people learn it that way as kids. So they always think that way or whether that's just naturally something in the brain, but people always kind of come up with the same colors like blue and purple and greens for flats and then oranges and yellows and stuff for sharp.
1: Oh, okay. I and didn't so, know that. So, yeah. So they, when people have synesthesia, they tend to have the same
0: well, colors Well, I mean, associated? it's different. I, I, I met a jazz pianist who had, like, each note was a color for him, and that's mm-hmm. very specific to him. I don't hear that a lot. And then there's also colors that people talk about all the time with tones and, like, timbres of certain things. Like, um, people will talk about uh, an oboe being a bright sound because mm-hmm. it's set very kind of nasally and with voices like for voice types people always tar- talk about having a dark or a bright voice or a warm or a cool voice. Uh, for example, uh, Bernadette Peters, almost everyone in the world would say she has a bright voice and then someone like Diana Krall, most people would say she has a dark voice. Uh-huh. So I it's kind of that. a preference and yeah, see like it kind of makes sense. It's yeah, not it something like sense. I don't get it. Like It's like we all kind of just naturally agree with that.
1: Do you know so there's this term valence um, and I had to look it up because in in science valence is a like an ionic attraction in, in the the levels of uh, electrons um, but it, there is this article um, talking about AI um, uh, uh, classifying music by the different uh, values of uh, energy tempo mode instrumental Oh, is this
0: the pop hit prediction yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: one of the things they measure is called valence and um it means it's sort of like uh, a brightness a, mm-hmm. a joy level like basically that the it's a level of of uh of a beauty attractiveness in the music or ugliness um the singing in the rain soundtrack did <laughs> you, you think it's very beautiful
2: that's just that's just like the most fun soundtrack, right? Yeah. Like I think everyone universally kind of thinks that's the most fun, right? Am I crazy? Have I heard that somewhere? or Am I wrong? That sounds fun to me.
0: Yeah. Someone <laughs> singing Someone in the rain. I love singing this. in the rain.
1: That's
2: my also,
0: favorite
1: thing to do. But it's
2: also got like make 'em laugh and good morning, good morning. Like there's a lot of
1: yeah. yeah. There's a lot of show valence. Lot show there. tunes yeah. are, are yeah, yeah very. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, like you said, there, there's a couple of different uh, startups right now
0: yeah. who are building
1: AIs to try to predict what pop songs yeah. will be popular,
0: um, Yeah, which
1: is a little uh, awful
0: well, it's interesting. in certain <laughs> ways. Is that about music, or is that the predictability of the trends of pop music currently? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then a lot of
1: because they, they claim those,
0: yeah, digital that,
1: like 75 to 80% accurate in terms of what like for instance what uh uh you know DJ Khaled track is going to be yeah. the biggest hit or whatever well, something well
0: the one you sent was called Hit Wizard yeah and they had like a 66% accuracy for predicting what would be a hit and then they had a 90% accuracy for what wouldn't be a hit
1: okay So,
0: which kind of makes sense to me, because if something's really slow and weird, it's like, you know, anyone can say, yeah, that probably won't play. No one's (laughs) going to want that. But, like, some of the things that they counted is, like, how popular is the artist? How, like, attractive, like, what's the artist's appeal right now, which isn't really music based and is more record company kind of formulaic based.
2: Yeah, I wonder if, like, other cultures, like, their pop music is more different, so you'd have to, like, calibrate... Like, will this be a hit in Korea versus will this be a hit in the United
1: States or the UK? Yeah. I I feel like I I watched something on YouTube a while ago about this, and they were saying that even across cultures, the same sort of uh, liveliness, energy, valence, acousticness seems to be popular Mm. across cultures. Um, so pop music tends to have, you know, an upbeat sort of energy and, and, uh, positive feel to it. I guess that's Um, universal. But it, the, the scary thing is it's like the American Idol effect. It's like, uh, are you, it's something popular because people like it or because you're telling them that they should like it because it's got all the parameters that they like.
0: There's a song that was released uh, I think around 2014, 2015 by uh, Mariana Trench, I think Mm -hmm. I'm saying, uh, who has written a lot of hit songs for other artists. Um, And uh, it's called Pop 101... And if you ever watch the video, there's two videos. There's a traditional music video and then there's a music video where I forget the term for this where like every word in the song is animated. Oh. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Uh, what is that called? Animatic? Lyric, lyric video? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So that the oh, animatic video is is amazing. We got a cat meow. <laughs> yeah. Uh and it's basically just a parody of how formulaic pop music is, and he just lists all the things that they're doing and gives examples and What's animates the name of the song? them. It's called Pop 101. Pop. Oh, okay. And it's, it's great, but it also kind of explains why this stuff is so predictable right now. Yeah. Um,
1: and it's a little scary because I've always kind of been attracted to, you know, darker, weirder, punkier, post-punk kind of stuff, which, which doesn't follow any of the parameters that the pop music predictors do so i'm just fearing a world where all the music is just decided by robots because most people like it but like pop music changes over the like the 70s
2: like everyone was like disenfranchised and like i feel like the music Mm -hmm. the music was a lot different or like in the 60s it was like protest music mm -hmm. and like you know, like the '50s was kind of like these kind of whimsical songs,
1: but I think you the can. The '90s still were
2: angry. Like almost all the hit songs in the '90s were super
1: angry sounding. Yeah, a grunge went sort of yeah, in, in a sort of like um, lower valence direction, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think still like pop music, you'll still find threads of you know different things like the energy and tempos that are sort of. Popular, yeah, maybe over time. I th- I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this uh, technology comes about. It um, it's interesting to analyze what people tend to like in different places and times. This other article I sent out where this AI composed a pop song. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. This is uh, not what the future. You're saying that now. That's my favorite song. Is this your favorite song already? Yeah,
2: I love it. I love all the
1: beeps and boops. <laughs> you would think it would be more. Uh, I know. I want more robot.
2: I want more robot stuff.
1: Yeah. It turns out all of those electronic artists who thought they were being robots—they're like robots, wrong. No. They're robots are much too more like. Yeah. They're much more like Enya. I'm trying to skip this yeah. commercial, but uh,
2: robots love Enya.
1: This, just like everyone else does. This song. Um, what is it? This is from a year ago. It's from um, 2017. Uh, An AI-composed pop song. It basically just sounds like it's just pleasant-sounding chords, and (laughs) like like uh, an Enya song would be. It's not playing on my iPad. So anyway...
2: Well, we were talking about that kind of... Like, just predicting what would be popular, and isn't that what that Friday song was? It was just like a guy who was just like, this is what a basic pop song sounds like. Well,
0: that was one of those guys who makes music videos for... Rich, rich kid. Yeah, wealthy, wealthy parents in Florida specifically. I think. Uh-huh. And like he just ran a company where people constantly paid him money to do that.
1: But and, he was right. Um,
0: I don't think he was expecting this because he gets his payout. And I think when he was talking about it, I think he, I think I vaguely remember him doing an interview where he was talking about it, and it's kind of like he didn't expect this to pick up. I think it was just this one was particularly so stupid. kind of bad and stupid yeah. that the internet found it and went crazy.
1: It, it was so. It's it's such a catchy song, but so it's devoid of it's,
0: yeah any
1: you know. Thought. I know people who legitimately didn't know that
2: story about it and just liked the song.
0: I never met anyone like that. <laughs>
2: well, I never met anyone who. Hang out in my weird liking.
1: But there is something to that. Like there's there it it's sort of plug and play different elements. It's like the boy band thing too, you know, it's just like Lou Pearlman. We we you know, we find the the cute one and the uh dangerous yeah. dangerous one and the whatever the quiet one. And throw them together the with fucking one. The one that fucks.
0: Beyond what I can see. Is this the AI song? Yeah. yeah.
1: But um this lady wrote the lyrics, oh. so the AI just wrote, like, background, which is just kind of... Uh, I did read that chords.
0: machines that attempted to do this with lyrics had, like, no accuracy whatsoever. I would love to listen oh. to that like when they, No, but when they put in lyrics as part of their predictability, they found it didn't matter at all. What do you mean? Like, you can't predict the popularity of a song based on lyrics. It doesn't oh. matter.
1: Uh, yeah. That sucks. I guess because people don't. I mean, it kind of makes sense when you think about
0: much. the randomness of songs that have been popular. It's like the lyrics aren't really important. That's and true. They don't really matter. In, in pop, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, as much as I got into Gangnam Style, uh, I didn't love that song for the lyrics. You, didn't, you guys didn't know Dave Chacho when he was into Gangnam Style. I was very Gangnam back <laughs> in the day. He <laughs> dressed up
2: like Psy si every day. I was
1: so Gangnam. And
2: he did that little straddle
1: dance. Oh, I was, I was Gangnam before Psy si was Gangnam. Yeah, man. Here's, here's a, a little piece of science music. This is uh, the sound of a sunset on Mars. Oh, this was cool. It's kind of cool. It's kind of a cheat because there's a lot of stuff online where you can find um, visual data transmitted, transformed into sound, yeah. sound uh, especially in, in it, it as has to do with space, like um, signals from far off in space. You can you can find translated into music, and it, it, some of it sounds sort of cool. This is really just an image of a sunset or sunrise on Mars. And each pixel turned into a note and sort of played like it was Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh it was music. The, the sunset doesn't actually make that noise. You wouldn't yeah. actually hear that if you yeah. were on Mars. You would just hear the sound of your eyeballs popping out. I
0: mean, yeah, no <laughs> And then
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> saying, Is this real or <laughs> is it
0: a dream?
2: Yeah, a lot of ghosts on Mars, a lot of Schwarzenegger.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, what were we saying, here?
0: Oh, I mean there's Like I've seen, there's that famous picture of crows on a wire, and someone transposed that into a weird melody as if each wire was like uh, a line of a music staff.
2: That's amazing. That's awesome.
0: I mean, it's nonsense, because (laughs) it's not that, but someone just said, what if it was? (laughs) What song are these crows making? (laughs) Yeah, You know, it's a fun little dumb exercise.
1: Yeah, which just kind of demonstrates how much it's that music is math. You're just taking yeah. the mathematics of sort of a random image and turning them into music. Yeah, um, like the um, the gravitational waves thing last year um, when scientists heard. Uh, we talked about this before, but two two black holes smashing together. Yeah, and they got the gravitational wave signature from that. I think it was. Was it was either um, Neil deGrasse Tyson or Brian Green or something uh, on a talk show recently played the the audio of two black holes smashing together? Yeah, uh, based on the radio waves that they transmitted, and it just sounded like whoop. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, they it, do
2: that with Voyager all the time. Like whenever Voyager gets a new wave, like they'll translate it into audio, and like it's always a big deal.
1: Yeah. and uh, Have you seen that, that thing, um, the recording of the space music from when the astronauts were behind the moon on Apollo uh, 13? They went behind the moon so they couldn't get any transmissions from Earth anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the only radio transmissions they had were just random sort of signals from yeah, outer space. Yeah, bouncing around. And it sounds like theremin music. Ooh. Um, sounds like aliens playing uh, the theremin. Or
2: Vincent Price is in the back of the moon. Bowing a saw out in space. Houston, we have a problem. Tangentially, growing up in Portland, uh, we used to have these terrible ice storms. And uh, it would freeze over the power lines outside my bedroom when I was a kid. Oh, cool. And I... Uh, We'd get these ice storms, and then we'd get gale force winds that would vibrate the power lines, huh. and it would sound like a harp. And uh, every once in a while, just depending on how the wind was going, you'd get almost a perfect glissando. Uh-huh.
1: Uh,
2: what a pleasant
1: childhood it sounds like you Oh, had.
2: well, as an adult, like, this is really cool. As a child... Definitely a ghost bride situation. <laughs> like, I was terrified. I would just hear a haunting huge harp outside my window, and yeah. I would look out, and the world would be dead in ice.
1: Uh-huh. That's kind of like, when I was a kid, my parents, I was, I was afraid of tornadoes, because I lived in Tornado Alley in the Midwest. And yeah, sure. my parents made the stupid decision to tell me that tornadoes sounded like freight trains problem is you we live a, a block away from freight, from a train tracks, <laughs> <laughs> so every night at two in the morning a freight train went by our fucking house and i thought it was a tornado every single night of my youth hey Urs, do you have any ghost stories <laughs> ghost, stories? <No. laughs> any, ghost any? trains
0: i mean i grew up here so i mean i was aware of earthquakes obviously but like i mean you know i was really little when northridge happened and it like wasn't that bad? So I think you grew <laughs> up in California. You're just like, yeah, it's fine.
1: <laughs> Do you remember
0: it? Yeah. You were a little kid. Yeah, I remember it because like, so I had all these glass dogs and some of them broke. Oh no! And uh-huh. I was and I was upset about that. <laughs> that's did the, you that's like hide That's the main thing I took sh- away from Northridge. <laughs>
1: wait, did you hide it's under something zone. or did you just wait out the? Uh, I, like think, a I think we
0: all we all went into my parents' room just to make sure in case there was a follow up. And I remember the next day, uh, my next-door neighbors didn't come to school because, like, their parents were, I don't know, they were worried or whatever. And, like, uh, my next-door neighbor was playing, and uh, he broke his arm just playing around by himself in the backyard. (laughs) And my dad was like, serves them right for being idiots. Jesus. (laughs) Being too scared to send their kid to school (laughs) after a mild earthquake.
1: (laughs) Break both their goddamn arms. Awesome.
2: Should we get into some of the articles that Hayher sent us? Yeah. Because those were real interesting and had links that had other links to them
0: <laughs> and other
2: links. I was in my car and I was like, oh, my God, this is hours of reading for me.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, some of them are just sort of like examples of uh, the synesthesia stuff we talked about. Um, another, I mean, another thing is just kind of like um, there's the, you know, the Math Magic Land thing where they do the basic... Uh, yes. animation yeah. of um, how uh, frequencies are divided in half to make octaves. For I, instance,
1: I love so. Donald Duck and Math Magic uh, Land. He did
0: such a great example, but like, it's it's the basic um, so if you take a note and you divide it in half or multiply it by two, that's exactly an octave. And mm-hmm. we read that as the same note, which is like why when women and men sing together, we feel like they're singing the same thing, even they're usually singing an octave apart. Oh uh, yeah, I said... Uh, Oh, is this the music part? You like music, don't you?
2: Well, without eggheads, there would be no music.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We need nerds to make the music.
0: But they, they get to the part where they divide the string.
1: Yeah it's it's lagging right the, now but yeah, um yeah.
0: so
2: that's what that's why we hear it as the same even though it's actually separate yeah,
0: it's but like we it's based kind of our we based our way. skills around that yeah yeah so like you know for example like a, a middle c sounds i mean different but also the same to us as the c an octave above yeah, yeah. and then um a perfect fifth above that is uh two-thirds Is like a two-thirds ratio, and then Mm -hmm. I'm gonna start forgetting the ratios. But then like
1: a third
0: third is is a a specific ratio, and then I think a sixth is four fifths or something like that. So Mm -hmm. you have certain notes in an octave that make up, and then there's certain ones that are arbitrary, like a seventh, and I think a second don't have. You kind of just we filled in the distance based on those other notes, which are, and that's why like you have. Uh, so when you play harmonics on an instrument, like a guitar has harmonics or a violin has harmonics, where you very lightly touch the string and don't press it enough down to get the full note, mm-hmm. if you play it, it will play this super high note that is the harmonic of that note, and you'll hear it, but yes. your finger has to be exactly where it's supposed to be, and if it's a little bit off, it won't play a sound at all. So you know what I'm talking about with, like, yeah, guitar? Yeah. Or bi- I,
1: I, I figured out how to do that once yeah, yeah. when I was younger on a guitar. But
0: So you can play fun. certain melodies off harmonics, but you can't play all of them because there are certain notes that aren't going to be there as harmonics. Yeah. Oh. So, so our Western scale has those exact perfect intervals, and then we fill in, which so there are different tuning systems because of that. So in the circle of fifths, uh, basically the idea is every time you go up a fifth, eventually you go all the way around and you hit every other note. So C oh, goes to G, G goes okay. to D, D goes to A, A goes to E, E goes to B, B goes to F sharp, F sharp goes to C sharp, and then as it goes around, eventually it hits C again.
1: Now, so we have a 12-note system yes. in the West, uh, and is, is that based on the math because 12 splits yeah, so easily so between thirds and is, fourths? And
0: uh, the perfect, the system of perfect fifths. If we're going exactly by the two-thirds rule. Once you get to C, the C that should be the same as the original C, it's the tiniest bit off. Uh And so what we call that, uh, they used to call that a wolf fifth, because you have to add a semitone to get that last one to be perfect. And, like, a Hmm. lot of people felt like um, you should just add that at the top, and then everything should be this perfect intervals... But the problem with that is that different keys don't quite work if you tune everything that way. Mm-hmm. So if you're, turning something, if you're tuning something to C being perfect, then once you shift into D sharp, that won't be perfect because we've tuned it on a different set of intervals than that. And so what we came up with as a comp- compromise was the equal-tempered system, which pianos are tuned off of, where basically we have all the 12 note system are exactly the space from an octave so each one is exactly the same interval and we just tune it that way all up and down the scale mm-hmm. so keys won't sound different and that way you won't have any notes that sound weird and octaves won't sound weird and the difference is so imperceptible that we don't notice it but so you mean so
1: so we we break it into 12 yes. exactly yes. equal yes. parts but then the then we break it into 8 subparts, which is at the scale... Well, 12 is goes up to
0: 8. So 12 is contained in 8. So basically, if an 8-note scale uh-huh. is skipping certain notes... Right. So, But there's still 12 within that 8. If it's just you're not including all of them in the scale.
1: That's why you go whole step, whole step, half yes, step, yes, yes. whole step, half so step. So a whole
0: step, every whole step is 2. And uh, it, like if you're thinking yeah. about it in terms of 12, every whole step is 2 and every half step is 1.
1: But it's because you're trying to hit those... Those not exactly you know uh, uh, fractional places right yeah
0: so with it so but what people will say is that naturally if you have people so in a piano you can't finally adjust things to imperceptible because your notes are your notes right Mm -hmm. so but with a like a violin or same with fretted instruments but when you have like a violin or a singer or anything where you can adjust the pitch however you want Mm-hmm. Um, people tend to go towards those perfect intervals just by their ear. Okay. So when you're playing with a piano, you're kind of compromising and going with the piano because the piano can't do that. That's oh, locked in. So, yeah. So we tend to go, but like a lot of choral arrangements when you just hear choirs, like depending on what key they're in, they're kind of honoring those perfect intervals within that key signature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of goes into perhaps why we feel key signatures sound different from each other is because without the equal, uh, the equal, um, tempered tuning system, some of them were different because the intervals were slightly different per key, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what you picked. Yeah.
1: D minor is the saddest key. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But, um, yeah. So it just, it just kind of depends, um, what, what you choose and how, how you play certain things and how we hear certain things. But um, yeah, and then and also going back to that is some things might sound brighter to us because certain instruments have open keys, which sound a certain way, sound very bright. Mm-hmm. So like on a violin, your open strings are A, D, G, and E. And mm-hmm. the more you can hit those, the kind of brighter sound it has.
1: So if yeah. you're playing
0: an E-flat... Same flat, with the guitar. Yeah, if you're exactly. playing
1: the like, open chords, right. they're much brighter than if you're playing bar chords. So if chords you think about it, up. any of the
0: sharp keys are going to sound brighter on those instruments because you get to hear those open strings. Mm-hmm. Whereas E-flat, like, e you're going to hear almost none of them. Or it's like, yeah, G-flat, you're not going to hear. But this is just in the
2: Western system.
0: Uh, no, not necessarily. I'm just talking about in terms of 12-note um, scales, whereas there's other systems where we use quarter tones.
1: Like, sitars have, I don't know what it is, not 12, but maybe 100 different uh, notes between octaves or something. Yeah. yeah. So they have a much more, that's why they have a very distinct sound. Like, uh, classical uh, Asian music has a very distinct sound because they have different, uh, more notes between Notes. Well, that and was
2: it, the thing yeah. that was kind of blowing my mind with the article was that I was like, oh, of course, there isn't just one system from one place. Like, it's all over the place. Are there are there instances where like like someone from like an Eastern style would come in and play a Western piece of music and like make it just because of the way they're trained, it sounds more Eastern sounding because of the way they see the chord structure.
0: Um,
1: if they were only if they were a jazz guy, <laughs> only if they're a cool jazz guy,
0: I think. I think the idea of, like, octaves and, like, really basic intervals that split very evenly are kind of...
2: Is that universal? I
0: think that's pretty universal. I think most people can hear octaves. I, I might be wrong about that. But, like, just how you split it up is mm-hmm. can be different. Yeah, and I, I, think,
1: I think the octave is, is a human I will say it does seem thing. like
0: it's much easier for anyone who grew up with a system with more tones like quarter tones to adapt to our system than it is for us to go to quarter tones. Yeah. Oh really it's very hard for us to sing quarter tones because your brain just is like that's just flat. Like it doesn't uh-huh. it doesn't sound like a real note.
1: That's interesting. Is that your brain learns to eliminate certain
0: Right. And I remember tones. being in a choir once where we were supposed to uh incorporate a scale that had a few quarter tones in it and like we were really practicing going very slowly between half steps to try and hear the note in the middle and it was just very hard to get it to stick. Hm. I
1: didn't realize that. So unaccompanied choirs have more complex range than if you're playing with a
0: Well, piano I mean piano or Yeah, most instruments will adapt, but yeah, like with a, with a piano, everyone's going to tune to the piano.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're stuck with the tyranny of
0: 12 <laughs> notes. <laughs>
1: Those ivory bastards. <laughs> ivory? The oh, The piano. Yeah. The keys. You know what? I think it's the elephant's fault. Yeah. The elephants who got murdered to make the pianos.
2: Oh, that's probably... Because uh, all pianos heard, are made of murdered elephants, know well, right? I heard the science fact that the, the noi- noise you get out of a piano, that's the screaming of dead elephants, correct? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, I did hear that... Uh, cat gut strings for violins was never a thing.
1: Oh, basically, it was never actually cat guts?
0: Basically, uh, and this might be a tall tale, but I just like the story. Yeah, <laughs> basically, a uh, violin string com- company or a violin maker spread that rumor because he wanted people to be too intimidated to make his strings. So he just told people that they were cat gut strings. So people go like, oh, we don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> they're still like, called, aren't they still called cat gut? D-
0: um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're made. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen anything made out of guts in my life, but I think originally they were goat, like goat or some other animal that was used for food. Tendons. Let's go
2: around and say if we'd seen anything used <laughs> for guts in their lives. <laughs> Dave, have you seen anything used with guts in your lives?
0: Um, used with guts?
1: Used just with guts in your lives? A, one trampoline okay. made out of a duck. Duck gut? <laughs> duck gut trampoline? Duck gut trampoline when I was That's young. very interesting. Oh, that might have been a dream. <laughs> I saw a
2: Macintosh 2 computer made um, completely <laughs> out of uh, just... The squirrel guts. <laughs>
1: the, the 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 apple two squirrel. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. It's big enough to hold. <laughs> All right. Well, on that on that <laughs> guts note. On that note. <laughs> on now a that very we'd...
2: scientific note. Actually, I'd like to I'd like to go back real quick mm-hmm.
1: to pianists.
2: Well, to the idea of uh, the dementia thing, where listening to music helps fight dementia. When you were a kid. Did your parents also make you listen to Mozart before
1: big tests and stuff like that? <laughs> no, but it's kind of a uh, I'm older than you and I think it was it, be, it was kind of a fad a little bit
0: uh yeah at some
1: point like the whole baby Mozart CDs yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff um and I and I think we've scientifically come to the conclusion that it doesn't quite make much difference. Although I don't see any harm in it.
0: I remember reading a study about people like farmers doing a wide-scale broadcasting of music to their crops. Uh-huh. People felt for a while that that was also going to cause their plants to grow. The
1: Mythbusters definitely debunked yeah. that one. Well, I, saw I remember
0: that. They, saw, they did classical music to a, a bunch of plants and it made no difference. But when they played, like, really aggressive rock music at them, it hurt them. <laughs> so, like, it can't do anything good, but you can't damage your plants by blasting noise at them. There was
2: cellular damage to your plants because of rock. Uh, I
0: don't know. I forget what kind of rock it was, but I think they picked something very noisy.
1: I mean, if those crops were, grew up in their early aughts, they must, like, Lincoln and park and corn. Oh, uh, they gotta.
2: Let's get those plants to not have Alzheimer's. <laughs> My mom made me listen to Mozart
1: before every big test. That's fine. It's probably not a bad idea. Like, when I'm studying, music is definitely, like, um, especially something without lyrics with, like, a like a lo-fi hip-hop beat or something. Yeah. It's, it really helps me get in the groove of, like, you know, well, it studying, gets, learning, it working. Definitely, like,
2: classical music like that, it helps you recognize patterns. And, like, I'll find myself, like... Not singing along with the music, but I'll, like, be, like, kind of humming along with it.
1: Or even find yourself, like, almost typing along, Yeah, like, if you're writing something. And then I'll just start
2: predicting where it's going, and it's usually pretty accurate. Like, if, even if it's a piece of music I've never heard before, I can kind of...
1: Oh, you're, you're Like, you're just because the, the patterns
2: the are chord just so... Yeah. And I wonder if that mm-hmm. helps you kind of memorize, because you're, like, going through those patterns...
1: That is another thing, like, we're very tuned to, like, the 1-4-5 sort of mm-hmm. chord yeah. progression. And it's probably in, in, a Western music thing, too, yeah. where you just, uh, what is it? Is that a fourth? You go up a fourth, back down, up a fourth, back down, and then go up a fifth for the yeah. chorus. And it it, it feels like, it, it's almost like a, a story, like, coming to an end, you know, yeah. like a... There's that thing where, like, if you if you go if you hear shave and a haircut, you you feel wrong if it's not finished. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or if you just go somebody, <laughs> that's you, almost too mean to put you, in a podcast. I apologize. <laughs> I'm cut podcast. that out because now everyone listening. <laughs> <you're> going, <laughs> uh, 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 it's uh, interesting
2: that up a fourth and back a fourth and up a fourth and because that's also a fencing step. Is it? Yeah, you do four steps forward, four steps back, four steps forward, four steps back, well, that's and then seven steps forward. Well, and that's then almost much like
0: uh, more of a time signature thing, which is another thing. Like you know, almost all pop music is written in four four.
1: And and almost. You know, there's a lot of like D A E or what uh, G D C, and they're yeah, all one four five like, patterns.
0: Yeah, one one four. I mean, yeah, like it's really one four fun. six five or one two four. Yeah. There's,
2: um,
1: there, there's some YouTube videos.
2: The Axis of Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> is that what it is? Where they yeah. they
1: play hundreds of pop songs with without changing the chord progression yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Axis of Awesome. If like you go on YouTube
1: up. and you do. Same four chords,
2: Axis of Awesome, and it, it starts off with Don't Stop Believing, and then it just goes through every pop song in history, including, like, the Beatles
1: and Michael Jackson and Lit, you know, yeah. the geniuses. <laughs> Again, there's, like, this is why AIs can sort of predict yeah. if something's going to be popular, because there's certain patterns that we know we like, and, and like story structure, too, you know? Um... Uh, almost every movie has a, a sort of th- a three act structure to it because it feels satisfying to get to the end of the story. It's it's uh, very similar with the music. It's very satisfying to get to the chorus uh, that that one you know that fifth that you've been yeah aching for the entire song.
2: Well, I think that's why like REM played a lot with that because like a lot of times their chorus never come mm-hmm. and like they'll they'll make you wait for it, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of sort of um Sorry, it's burning in Los Angeles and it's been <laughs> affecting my lungs. Uh,
1: That's yeah. true. So we're outside in the uh the outdoor lab today and um <laughs> the it's getting dark but the sky has been a little bit red and, and orange uh all day from from fire from smoke in the we've,
2: air. We've been breathing in uh, aluminum siding
1: and burnt horse all day. <laughs> uh there was, a, I think they put out the fire that was in Griffith Park, but that was only a mile from here. Oh. Yikes! Mm-hmm. And then the fire that burned on the Bachelor House uh, was about ten miles that way. Yeah, we're breathing in the fumes of. Uh, and on that note... All the jizz from the, the Bachelor house is <laughs> Wait, now in the air. I thought I was going to go. How much jizz do you think was in the Bachelor house? I'm I'm guessing a lot. I mean, I, I didn't really watch the show, but it was all based on jizz, wasn't it? I mean, I've seen a few episodes of that,
2: and I've barely seen anyone come. <laughs> Almost no one.
1: Almost come. no one? Yeah. Uh, I stand corrected. Elizabeth, what do you think?
0: I mean, I don't know. I I thought that whole show was about romance, fake <laughs> fake romance, right? Like very little, very little sex happened on that show from what <laughs> I remember.
2: All right. It's confirmed.
1: Very little jizz on The Bachelor. <laughs> and so what we're breathing in is true romance in yeah. the air yeah. right now. Just true love. Romance. Burned just, to
0: love. Just non-cynical <laughs> <laughs> love. Burned to a
1: crisp. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for being here, Elizabeth. This yeah, is uh, oh,
0: really, really
1: cool stuff. Tell us where people can find and follow you online if they uh, Yeah, concerned.
0: online. You can follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Ford Prefects Kit.
1: Ford Prefect? Yeah. Th- that's a hitchhiker's guy. Yep. Right? yep word prefix kid on all the stuff mm-hmm. yeah. and you're uh, part of the very funny team Haymaker yeah They're okay uh, fuck Haymaker a fuck Haymaker yeah, yeah. their motto uh, what else do you got going on
0: oh just show that uh, you said that? the
1: line yeah. is coming up at the end of November yeah if you're in the LA area and
0: uh, yeah and then we'll have a special collaborative presentation of the Christmas Carol mid-December
1: cool well you can
0: find us
1: at ScienceAFpod.com dot com and ScienceAFPod on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us
2: ScienceAFPod email.
1: Is that what it is? It's um anything at ScienceAFPod
2: dot com. That's, that's, right. that's right. Anything at ScienceAFpod.com.
1: Email hey you assholes at ScienceAFpod.com, or and we will receive that. Yeah, <laughs> or give us a you know give us a little review on on. Uh, iTunes and the iTunes is and the Stitchers. Uh, we love hearing from you. Thanks for listening. You can find me at Dave Chacho and the things.
2: Uh, yeah, you can find me at Jess Klein One. That's J E S S K L E I N. The number one. Also, I'm doing Haymaker third Wednesday of, uh, every month. And coming up in the new year, uh, Elizabeth and I are, have Gritty Reboot coming back. Oh yeah. That's where we take a known property and we reboot it because Hollywood loves a good reboot. Yep. Uh our original pitch was for Sabrina the Teenage Witch reboot.
1: And they did it anyway. And you made it happen and didn't get paid for it. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Uh well if you're if you work at Netflix, be sure to at me bro. Be sure to watch <laughs> Gritty Reboot for more ideas for <laughs> stuff to see. You. Thanks for watching. Bye.
0: Science AF
1: Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science as fuck.